Welcome to Strategy Saturday. I'm Charles Krilla, and today we're going to be discussing renting to college students. Have you always wanted to invest in real estate, but didn't have the time, didn't know where to find the deals, couldn't get the funding, and didn't want tenants calling you? Since 2006, I've been buying income-producing properties in great locations that provide us with consistent passive income while we wait for appreciation in the future and take advantage of tax laws while we're waiting. And unlike your financial advisor, we invest alongside our investors in every property we purchase. Check out investwithharborside.com. If you like the idea of investing in real estate, if you like the idea of passive income, partner with us at investwithharborside.com. That's investwithharborside.com. Back in 2006, my first tenants were college students, and approximately 6% of the U.S. population, about 20 million people, attend U.S. colleges and universities, according to urban.org. 79% of the students attending a two- or four-year college live off-campus. Renting to college students can be a lucrative endeavor, but as there are benefits renting to people in this niche, there are also drawbacks. So first, what are the benefits of renting to college students? Well, rental demand is a big one. College towns have built-in demand. Only simple marketing is required. Your marketing budget will be minimal with well-located student rentals. Next is higher returns. Typically, student housing has higher returns when compared to traditional multifamily rentals. Also, in most student housing situations, landlords are renting by the bed, not by the unit. This is a much more profitable business plan. Now, similar to Airbnb properties, the landlord is much more hands-on with these tenants. And these are a more of an all-inclusive service, not just a typical apartment. Now, before we go to the next point, I want to preface that if your end goal is having an Airbnb rental or renting the college students, underwriting the property as a normal apartment building or rental house is the best method. Then, after you purchase it, your returns will increase after you transition it. This is also much safer. If we go through a deep recession or COVID 2.0, travel will slow or stop. And in the example of COVID 2.0, people left their apartments to go home. Yes, most of them probably completed paying their leases since the apartments were in their their parents' names and they were co-signers. But what happens that summer when school is online in August? And as a landlord who ran their numbers as a multifamily rental, you can now rent it as such and cover all of your expenses. Next is lower expectations. Landlords are able to spend less on upgrades and updating since students normally just want a place to live. Student renters have much lower standards, let's say, than older, more experienced renters. Next is consistency. One reality of renting out residential real estate is tenants not paying rent on time or not at all. One benefit of student rentals is that students usually receive financial assistance from their parents who are also co-signers with much more to lose when compared to a typical C or B class renter. Secondly, there are multiple tenants in one rental. If you rent a three bedroom apartment, that is three renters, three rent checks from three sets of parents every month. Even if two pay on time and one is later behind, you'll most likely be able to cover all of your expenses for the month. So what are the risks of renting to college students? Well, number one, as you would imagine, would be property damage, you know, college rentals, often have an increased risk of damage, increased wear and tear, noise complaints, and a lack of maintenance are normal with college renters. Next is turnover rate. There is a high turnover between academic years. It is rare for college renters to rent more than one year at a particular property. Your increased rents should cover the increased costs associated with apartment make-readies, apartment downtime, leasing costs, and management costs. You can also avoid short-term leases and have a minimum lease of 12 months. 
Next is it's a limited way for screening tenants. You know, college students don't have much of a track record, so there's not much to check. And usually this is their first apartment. And this is where requiring a cosigner is a must. Next is contract violation. Smoking, overcrowding, uh, neighbor complaints, subletting rooms are all normal with student rentals. Having cosigners, having security deposits, having contact with those cosigners or threaten to do so, all help to minimize these issues. So how do you minimize the risks of renting the college students? Number one, require a cosigner. Number two is require a security deposit or move-in fees for shorter rentals. Require renter's insurance if something is damaged in their unit, or more importantly, if the tenant or one of their guests is harmed on the property, the renter's insurance includes personal liability coverage. Next is fully screen all tenants. You know, check your job history, rental history, credit report, income, adverse items, criminal background, sex offender status, prior evictions. Now, most tenants, good or bad, that are college students will not will have come up without anything for any of these um, points. They might have some, but most of the time they're going to come back clear on a lot of these. But it's still one way of protecting because if you have somebody that already has a criminal background or one of these other, something that's negative on their report, uh, it's something you're going to want to look into further before approving them for the apartment. Clearly outline rules and expectations. As I've mentioned before on previous episodes, having a lease cover sheet outlining all of these is a must, especially with college rentals. So how do you track college students to your rentals? Well, if you're close to campus, distance to campus is by far the most important factor when renting the college students. Walkability. Many students do not have their own means of transportation. Even if they have a car, they might not be able to park it at their school easily. When I was at college and lived off campus, even though I had a car, I regularly would walk to school since parking was a hassle. Affordability. Most students at most universities are not able to afford expensive apartments. Research your area and run your numbers at which rent for similar college rentals is, and most college rentals are C+, B-class, and not too many students will be opting for an A-class property. Next is in-house laundry, and this goes hand-in-hand with the walkability. Many students will not have access to a vehicle, and you do not want to have one in each unit. That's per- that's perfectly fine. You know, purchasing one coin-operator washer-dryer for every two to five units, let's say, might work fine. Or they can purchase tokens from you, so there's no change required. Next is fast-free Wi-Fi. Everything for college students is online. They don't need any cable TV. They just need fast Wi-Fi, and that is something else you can include into the price of rent. Some people would include electric into the rent, and it might be required in a rent-by-bed type situation, but you want to make sure that you're not losing money. So figure out exactly what an annual bill will be, uh, what the maximum would be, and then using that number when including it into people's rents. Lastly, always advertise your rental online with lots of high-quality photos and include the exact distance from your property to the campus of your local college. So what I would do in my listings is it would be something like, um, you know, the distance away from the college. I would also put the college's name in there or anything else. Let them know that this house is occupied mostly by college students. And that usually is the best way of finding college students and being able to rent them pretty easily. So I hope you enjoyed. Please remember to rate, review, subscribe, submit comments and potential show topics at globalinvestorspodcast.com. Look forward to two more episodes next week. See you then.
Nothing in this episode should be considered specific, personal, or professional advice. Any investment opportunities mentioned on this podcast are limited to accredited investors. Any investments will only be made with proper disclosure, subscription documentation, and are subject to all applicable laws. Please consult an appropriate tax, legal, real estate, financial, or business professional for individualized advice. Opinions of guests are their own. Information is not guaranteed. All investment strategies have the potential for profit or loss. The host is operating on behalf of Syndication Superstars LLC exclusively.